Deuteronomy chapter 32. We're going to read a few verses to start just for the context. Vamos a ir esta noche a Deuteronomio capítulo 32. Y el verso 2, verso 1 para comenzar. We'll start in verse 32. <coughs> Pardon, chapter 32, verse 1. Although our focus tonight will be on verse 9. And I want you to keep your Bible open as we study the scriptures tonight. Vamos a mantener nuestra Biblia abierta a leer la palabra del Señor esta noche. But let's begin with verse 1. This is a... A song of Moses, one of Moses, God's servants, uh, last messages to the nation of Israel. He said, give ear, O heavens, and let me speak, and let the earth hear the words of my mouth. <coughs> let my teaching drop as rain, my speech distill as the dew, as the droplets on the fresh grass, and as the showers on the herb. For I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are just. All a God of faithfulness and without injustice, righteousness and upright is he. Verse uh, 8, if you would. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance... Then he separated the sons of men, and he set the boundaries of the peoples, and according to the number of the sons of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob is the allotment of his inheritance. He found him in the desert land, and in a hallowed waste of the wilderness. He encircled him, he cared for him, he guarded him as a pupil of his eye. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that hovers over his young. He spreads his wings and caught them, and he carried them on his pinions. And the Lord alone guided him, and there was no foreign God with him. And he made him ride on the high places of the earth, and he ate the produce of the field. And he made him honey, he made him suck honey from the rock, and oil from the flinty rock. Curds of cows and the milk of the flock with fat lambs and rams and the breed of Bashan and the goats and the finest of the wheat and the blood of the grapes that you have drunk. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for the presence of the Holy Spirit which you promised to your church. Now as we come to your word, we invoke another promise. For you said that the entrance of your word gives light. And I pray tonight as we come to the text of the scriptures that you would allow us to hear the word of God and to be challenged by its truth. We pray that you would grant us not only your presence, but also the wisdom that comes from above. We ask that in Jesus' name, and the church said amen. amen. I want to begin tonight talking about God's way with his people. Quiero hablar esta noche sobre... La, la forma que Dios trabaja con su pueblo. <coughs> and I just wanted to read to you the beginning of the chapter because Moses gives us a little bit of insight as to the impact of God's word on our life. In verse 2, he says, and he, he makes this prayer, he says, May my teaching drop as rain and my speech distill as the dew, 
as the droplets on the fresh grass and as the showers of the herb. And if you are in South Texas tonight, you know there's a little bit of all of that going on around about us. Uh, and we see there the impact of God's word. Aquí en el verso 2 vemos el impacto de la palabra de Dios porque vemos ahí que Moisés dice que la enseñanza es como el rocío que cae sobre la hierba y que la enseñanza es como la lluvia, lluvia o a las gotas de lluvia que caen sobre la tierra. And this is really the impact of the word of God. God wants us to be soaked by his word. Dios quiere que seamos empapados, saturados de su palabra. Uh, there is a uniqueness about a slow drizzle, isn't there? Hay algo único en un rocío o en una lluvia liviana que está cayendo, cayendo no se percibe, you don't hear any thunder, you don't hear the drops falling on your rooftop, and yet if it continues all day long, there's a saturation that takes place. There's a soaking that takes place. Si usted va hacia afuera en la mañana y se queda en aquel rocío, aunque no lo percibes, tarde que temprano va a estar empapado de aquella humedad. And so it is that God wants his word to soak into our life, to saturate the soil of our soul. Así es que Dios quiere que su palabra sature en la tierra de nuestra alma. Que nuestra vida esté empapada de la palabra de Dios. And so this is my prayer for you. I hope it's your prayer for yourself tonight and uh, all throughout your Christian life to say, Lord, let your teaching be like drops of rain upon my life. How many of you have ever experienced the word of God being like a fresh shower over your life that just renewed and refreshed your life? That is a, a powerful result of the word of God. La, la palabra de Dios viene como un poderoso, uh, uh, una lluvia que refresca nuestra vida. And so you can see by that why the enemy would like to keep you out of the word. Usted puede ver ahí porque el enemigo desearía que usted no se meta a la palabra. You know, the Bible says that demons, I'm not going to teach about demons tonight, but I'm going to mention this. Demons look for dry places. That's what the scripture tells us. Dice la escritura que los demonios buscan lugares secos y lugares áridos. And if you draw a connection to what I've begun to speak about tonight, you understand that demons go where the word is not. Los demonios van donde la palabra no está y donde el espíritu no está. Demons go where the word and the spirit are not active. And so if you want to demon-proof your life, Stay in the spirit and stay in the word. Say amen, somebody. Uh, si usted quiere que su vida esté libre de las opresiones del enemigo, quédese en la palabra y quédese en el espíritu porque la palabra de Dios es espíritu y vida. The word of God, Jesus said, is spirit and life. And so if you're in a dry place, you need to get to the word. You need to get to the place where God is speaking, where God is moving. Usted está en un lugar seco en su vida, busque la palabra y busque estar ahí donde la palabra está predicada y donde la presencia de Dios está activa dentro de su pueblo. So that is our beginning tonight as we come to this text 
uh, we discover that God is speaking <coughs> to the nation of Israel. Dios está en este pasaje hablando a la nación de Israel. He's speaking primarily or specifically to the Jewish people. But uh, he is speaking also about you and I because we have become a part of God's people. Él está hablando en lo específico hacia la nación de Israel, pero en lo general está hablando de usted y yo. Porque usted y yo hemos llegado a ser parte de la uh, del pueblo de Dios. The Bible says that uh, the blessing of Abraham has come upon the Gentiles. Dice la escritura que la bendición de Abraham ha venido sobre los gentiles. Por lo tanto, usted y yo, porque hemos recibido a Jesús, so that because you and I have received Christ, now the blessing of Abraham falls upon us and we are now a part of the family of God. We're people of God. Ahora la bendición de Dios, la bendición de Abraham, ha caído sobre nosotros porque somos, hemos creído en Jesús y ahora somos parte del pueblo del Señor. Say amen, somebody. You, when we were in, uh, in uh, children's church, we used to sing, Father Abraham had many sons, and I am one of them. How many of you remember that? The rest of you grew up heathen, I guess. No, I'm just kidding. Father Abraham had many sons, and I am one of them. And that is the truth of uh, this, uh, this message tonight, is that this passage is about us. It's about God's people. Now, you might say, well, Pastor Isaac, uh, I didn't grow up in church. I don't know if I'm a part of the family of God or not. Well, let me just explain what verse uh, 10 says here. It says, he found them in a desert land and in a howling waste in the wilderness. Now, there he describes how God found this people. How did God find the people that you and I are now a part of today, the people of God? He found them in a desert. He found them in a wasteland. How many of you were found by God in just such a place? A dry place, a wasteland. Dios encontró a este pueblo en una tierra árida, seca y en un lugar olvidado, un lugar de los olvidados. And so tonight I have good news for you if you say, Pastor, I have not, uh, I'm not a part of the church, I'm not a part of the family of God, I don't know anything about God. You say, Pastor, I am as far from God as you can be. I can tell you today, if you'll put your trust in Jesus, you can become a part of his family and a part of the people of God. Because now God will find you where you are, but he won't leave you there. Dios te encuentra donde tú estás, pero no te dejará ahí, sino te sacará. And if you read a little further on, you find the great contrast between where he found them and where he brought them to. Si usted sigue leyendo, ve el contraste de donde él los halló hasta donde él los llevó. He found them in a desert, but he took them to a place of abundance, a place of prosperity and a place of blessing. Los halló en el desierto, pero los llevó a un lugar de abundancia, prosperidad y bendición. If you're somewhere between the desert and the promised land, say amen. All right, that was weak, all right, because I, I, I feel like many of you are, you maybe you say, Pastor, I'm not there yet, but you're not where you started out. 
Right? Say amen, somebody. So if you're somewhere in between the desert and the promised land, say amen. Because God is taking you. There's a way that God is working through your life. Hay una forma en la cual Dios está trabajando con tu vida. Y te está llevando de lugar en lugar. Entonces, gracias a Dios por eso. Verse 10, the rest of the verse says, He encircled them. And he cared for them and he guarded him as a pupil, the apple of his eye. Dice el Señor aquí que él los envolvió, los cuidó y los guardió, los guardó como la manzana de su ojo, la niña de su ojo. Los guardó como lo más in, importante de su vista. He guarded them as a people, as the apple of his eye. And tonight God says to his people, he says to you and I, you are the apple of my eye. Say amen, somebody. Esta noche Dios te dice a ti, tú eres la niña de mi ojo. What is the apple of your eye? ¿Qué es la, la niña del ojo? It is, it is that one particular thing. When you go, if you have children, you take them to the playground. There are many children out there, right? But there's one child, or however many you have, or two or three and that child has more of your eye than all of the other children. Say amen, somebody. Why? Because they belong to you. They're yours. Now, the other day I went in the, in a, in a, I don't know if it was a grocery store or department store, but there was a child having a fit. And um, he had all of his mama's attention, right? At that moment, nothing else mattered. But he had gotten her attention. God today says, you don't have to throw a fit. You don't have to get my attention. You are the apple of my eye. And he says this further. He says, I have set my affection upon you. El dice, yo he puesto mi afecto, mi amor sobre ti. What does that mean? It means God has decided to love you. He's put his love upon you. El ha puesto su afecto, su amor sobre ti. And in another place he says, I have put my name upon you. Not just his love, but his name. No solamente ha puesto su amor, pero ha puesto su nombre. There's some guys that will love you, but they won't marry you, right? They won't give you their name. But God says, I just, I'm not just going to love you. I'm going to give you my name. I'm going to put my holy, righteous name upon you. And then he says, that way people will know that you are mine. You belong to me. So say that with me. I am the apple of God's eye. Now, do you believe that? You need to believe that. Usted tiene que creer esto. Yo soy la niña del ojo de Dios. Soy lo particular de la afección y la atención de Dios. Now, let's look at verse 11. Because we're going we're gonna to park here for tonight and break down this verse. God uses an analogy when he describes how he works with us. His way with us is like, and he uses throughout scripture several analogies. But tonight there's a particular one and he says like an eagle. Aquí esta noche tenemos la... Uh, metáfora de que Dios usa para describir, describir su forma de trabajar con nosotros y esta forma es la águila a través de la Biblia hay muchas uh, metáforas muchos ejemplos 
Pero aquí tenemos este en particular. So throughout scripture you can find many metaphors of how God works with us. Sometimes he refers to us as, his, as uh, our father, others as a shepherd, uh, others as a teacher. Sometimes he refers to us as a uh, husbandman or a vine dresser and so on. And in this case we have God uh, revealing himself to us as an eagle, a a, uh, he uses the attributes of an eagle to describe how he works with us. So let's look at this. It says, first of all, like an eagle that stirs its nest and hovers over its young, he spreads his wings and caught them, and he carried them on his pinions or on his feathers. Four things we see here tonight. The first thing is that God stirs up the nest. Say that with me. God stirs up the nest. An eagle has a, an attribute of stirring up her nest. Uh, una águila a veces viene a mecer su, um, su uh, nido. Y Dios de vez en cuando tiene que mecer o estremecer el nido. Sometimes God has to stir up the nest in our life. How many of you like a nice, comfortable, quiet, warm nest? Everybody does. But from time to time, God has to stir up the nest. And uh, we're told by people who study, uh, I think they're called raptors or, or birds of prey, that uh, they will, from time to time, as the, as the eaglets are becoming a little older and they're beginning to need to learn how to fly, that the eagle will have created that nest and padded it with many soft things like grass and leaves and, and uh, moss and maybe even very soft feathers. But as, as time goes on, it needs to make those eagles uncomfortable so that they will decide that they need to leave the nest every once in a while, and, and so the, the process comes where he stirs up the nest and creates a blast of wind over that nest to start knocking loose some of the comforts, because uh, you can't have a full-grown eagle living in the nest after they needed to have learned how to go and, and fly and hunt and build their own nest and build a, their own uh, family. And so there is a stirring that has to take place. And the scripture uses this word on a number of occasions, which I want to look at tonight. But primarily this word re represents this, to arouse, to awaken, to incite, or to provoke. Uh, la palabra que se usa aquí para uh, lo que hace el águila es una palabra que... Tra, uh, significa despertar o provocar. Sometimes God will do things in our life that are intended to provoke or incite us to growth. A veces Dios hace cosas en nuestra vida para uh, animarnos a crecer. And basically it's like this. If you won't grow on your own, God will stir up the nest. He'll create a little condition in your life that will provoke growth. Si usted no quiere crecer, de vez en cuando Dios tiene que provocar el crecimiento. Él tiene que provocar el, uh, uh, la, uh, la falta de comportamiento. He provokes discomfort 
in our life. And there are three reasons why he does this. On one occasion in the scripture, we read this word uh, used to stir in Psalm 35 verse 23. God stirs up the people so that they can be alarmed. And in, in Salmo 30, 35 verse 23, Dios uh, alarma el pueblo con este proceso. Lo despierta para que estén alarmados a el juicio de Dios. He wants them to be alarmed to the judgment of God. He wants them to know that there is a righteousness that God requires of us, that he is empowered in us by his Holy Spirit. And he will alarm us. He will send a word of warning from time to time to let us know that's not the way that you can walk. That's not the way that pleases God. A veces la palabra de Dios viene a nuestra vida para alarmarnos, para despertarnos. It is the, the, the occasion of a mother coming into her child's bedroom. Maybe he's a teenager already, should already know how to wake himself up for school. But she comes in the door and she says, you have five minutes before the bus drives by. And that is an alarming moment, isn't it? Uh, ese, ese es un momento cuando la madre entra al cuarto y dice Tienes cinco minutos y va a llegar el voz Y aquel muchacho todavía anda dormido Entonces está alarmado ahora Sometimes God will allow things to happen in our life To wake us up To get us to say, you know what, I'm running out of time I'm running out of, uh, of days I've got to do what I'm going to do for God today a veces Dios nos alarma a el hecho de que sus juicios son verdaderos y que va a haber un tiempo de, de a, a, a contabilidad con Dios. It is an alarm that says, hey, there is an accountability to God that's coming. We're going to have to answer to him. We're going to have to give him a, a report for our life. What did we do? Did we win a soul? Did we change anyone, uh, any, anyone's life? Did we make an impact for God? Did we use the gifts that he gave us and that alarm sometimes comes at a moment when we're comfortable when we're just about relaxed viene un momento cuando estamos relajados cuando estamos sin cuidado de las cosas de Dios without any interest in spiritual things or in the eternal uh, nature of the need for the gospel in our day and God will send an alarm to us to say hey you need to get involved you need to wake up you need to do something this this uh, morning America uh, lost the uh, the great evangelist Billy Graham esta mañana nuestro país perdió el gran evangelista Billy Graham and I think his death ought to be an alarm to us that says somebody's got to preach the gospel to America and who's it going to be Uh, esa, esa partida de nuestro hermano debe alarmarnos y decir quién va a predicar, quién va a tomar el lugar que ha quedado vacío. Who's going to take the place that's been left vacant to call men and women to Christ? And so events like this happen in our life to get our attention. And God says, hey, I'm stirring up your nest because I don't want you to live fruitless in your life. I want you to be fruitful. 
I want you to be effective in the kingdom of God. Another time we see this word, we, we see it in, a, in a, a call to action. Otra vez que vemos esta palabra es un llamado a la acción. In the book of Judges, Deborah is told, Awake, awake, Deborah. En jueces vemos que Dios le dice a Deborah, Despierta, despierta, Deborah. And it is a call to action. Es un llamado a la, a, a la actividad, a la acción espiritual. It is uh, similar to the call of alarm, but it is one that is literally a, a trumpet of, of war that says this is, this is God time to go. We're on the march. We're uh, moving forward. God has something that he wants to do in our day, and it can't wait until you are ready. It can't wait until you decide it's a good time. If you wait, until it's a good time, you'll never do anything for God. Say amen, somebody. You're going to have to serve God where you are with what you have right now. Si usted le va a servir a Dios, tiene que servirle ya. Con lo que tiene, donde está, sirva a Dios. Take action. Do something. Tiene que hacer algo para con Dios. And uh, think about those eaglets there. They're sitting in that nest. And unless they're stirred, there's no motivation, no incentive to get up and learn how to fly and learn how to hunt. And all of the potential that is in that creature, all of the, the majesty that God put in an eagle is sitting there unstirred. And so God has to stir up their life. That's why sometimes uh, there are seasons when God it will say, well, if you won't pray, I'll put some things in your life that will make you pray. If you, won't, if you won't give, I'll make some things happen in your life that will make you give. You'll want to give. You'll say, God, i got to have a breakthrough. And there are some moments in your life when, when you have to take action because God is stirring things up in your life. And he's saying, there is, there is no more room for you to sit idle. There is work to be done. And then finally, this, um, this word stir is, is used as a call to intimacy with God. Número tres, esta palabra es usada para un llamado a la intimidad con Dios. We see the bride, the bridegroom in the book of Song of Solomon. Vemos el novio en el, uh, el cantar de cantares que viene a, a despertar a la novia. He comes, the bridegroom, to awaken, awaken the, the bride. He comes and he knocks on the door and he says awake awake and he is calling her to intimacy he's calling her to a place of communion and so it is that God often will stir up the nest in our life so that we will seek a place of communion and intimacy with him así como el novio va y despierta a la novia porque quiere comunión y intimidad así también Dios despierta o mece uh, el, el, uh, el nido de nuestra vida para, para que lo busquemos, para que busquemos esa intimidad, para que busquemos ese momento de estar con Él. And on this one, I want to say tonight, Lord, stir us up. We want to be a people who desire the presence of God, the, to be in communion with God. Don't let us be lazy about our spiritual life. Now, don't let us be lazy about our walk with God. 
You know, you can notice it sometimes just in, in a worship service that there, if everything's going well and things are fine and no, no problems going on, we just kind of come in. It's like, yes, you know, praise the Lord. And uh, yes, amen, pastor. And we'll take down a few notes. But then there are days when you're, you're just about as desperate as desperate gets, right? And you say, I've got to get a breakthrough in this service. I've got to break, I've got to get a breakthrough this Sunday or things just aren't going to go well this week and you come in with a whole different spirit, don't you? you, you why? Because you come in hungry. You come in knowing I've got to meet with God. I've got to have a word from God. And in those moments when your life is stirred up, you find yourself reaching deeper, reaching for more than you had reached for before. A veces hay momentos cuando la vida va bien que no adoramos mucho, no oramos mucho, no cantamos mucho, pero otros días cuando estamos en necesidad que crece el hambre en nuestra vida y eh, somos provocados a buscar a Dios, a buscar su rostro. Can I just tell you? Don't wait on the hard times. Seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. No esperes, <coughs> no esperes los días difíciles. Busca a Jehová todos los días. Busca la intimidad con él todos los días de tu vida. Y, y deja que él uh, se revele a ti. Let him reveal himself to you in new and refreshing ways. This word stir up, I mentioned also is the word to provoke and to incite. And I want to just tell you this. Sometimes God, God uses all kinds of things in our life to provoke us, to incite us, to search for him, to seek him. And it might just be that, that you, you saw somebody uh, coming into the house of God and they're, they're blessed and you saw them that last week they were sick and now they're well. And, and you start saying, man, well, how come God won't do that for me? I pray to the same God. How come he didn't heal me? But what's happening is their testimony is actually meant to incite something in you. It's meant to provoke you to believe God and to say, hey, wait a minute. If God could do it for them, God can do it for me. If God could build them up, God can build me up too. Come on, somebody. He is inciting you and provoking you. And if you can get past being envious at people who are blessed, you might get stirred up to say, hey, I can be blessed too. I can have what they have too. Come on, somebody. God is uh, allowed sometimes the testimonies of other people in our life to stir us up to say you know what where I'm at right now is not as good as God wants it to be I can do better there's more uh, there is there is more with God there is more in my, in my family there is more in my business I can go for more and those, those people around us who we see being blessed don't be jealous let it incite you to say God I believe you too God I'm going to trust you too God I'm going to step out on faith too stir up the nest what happens when the, the nest gets stirred is all of that that um, comfortable stuff starts getting blown out. The, the feathers and the moss and the grass and what's left is the sticks and um, some eagles even build their nests out of broken bones. And now that eaglet isn't just, it you can't just lay around. Now it's harder to find a comfortable spot. 
and it has to start jumping. And as it starts jumping, it's, it goes into a process of, of learning how to fly. Even right there within the nest, it starts to be, uh, it starts to learn how to, how to do the thing that God created it to do. So don't resent the stirring. Let it provoke you into a new level. Let it provoke you into a new place with God. Come on, somebody. I said, don't resent the stirring. Some of you are, are able to just sit there and be mad at God. I can't do that, all right? But I have, I have seen people just, if, if God's not giving them what they want, they just come into church and just stand there and resent God. And, you know, God is saying, look, every day you resent me, you're losing time. Let this thing stir you up. Let this thing provoke and incite something in you to do more than you ever dreamed you could do. Come on, somebody. And, and when you begin to do that, you begin to realize, I was never meant to stay in the nest. And what the, we, the, what the eaglets begin to do then is they start going to the branches. They start going out uh, on onto a new level, into a new place. Some place they've never been yet. It's not the last place they're ever going to be. But now because they've become uncomfortable. And I just wonder tonight, is there anybody in here who's uncomfortable with the level you're at? I'm preaching to the wrong crowd. I said, is there anybody in here that's uncomfortable with the level you're at? Anybody in here that just said, Lord, I'm happy for what you're doing, but I, the, I think there's more. I believe there's more. And I, I'm, I'm getting uncomfortable with where I'm at. I've got to go to a new level. Come on, then you got to stir yourself up and, and provoke your faith to go to the next place that God wants you to go. Because I, I know this, the Lord hasn't called me to pastor eaglets. Let alone chickens. You know what I do with chickens. God has called us to leave the nest, to go onto a new level, a new height. He's called you to go from glory to glory. I said it, glory to glory. Come on, somebody. Glory to glory. Dios no te ha llamado a, a permanecer en el nido. Te ha llamado a ir de gloria en gloria. Entonces usted se tiene que poner desincómodo con el lugar donde está y decir, hay más, tiene que haber más. Tiene que haber un lugar más alto. Tiene que haber un lugar de más bendición. There's got to be a place that I can go that's higher with God. If, if I'm still quoting the same verses I learned last February, I've got to go to a new level. If I'm still telling the, the testimony I had about five years ago, I need to go to a new level. Come on, somebody. God wants you to stir. He wants to stir up your life because he wants to move you into a higher place. Now, the next thing we see here is that the eagle hovers over its young. Lo siguiente que vemos aquí es que el águila um, está... Someone help me with the word hovers in Spanish in your Bible you have it we'll work on that the, the 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 eagle hovers over its young it is this is the the process by which the eagle incubates the egg and it incubates or keeps the the uh, eaglets warm there are a few things that we notice here first of all 
that uh, the first thing we read in the scriptures is that the Holy Spirit hovered above the face of the waters. And so we know that this is an attribute of the Spirit of God. Aquí vemos uno de los atributos del de Espíritu de Dios que dice la Escritura que Jehová creó los cielos y la tierra y el Espíritu uh, estaba sobre el superficie de las aguas. Now notice what Genesis tells us. It says that the earth was without form and void and the Spirit of God hovered over it. Dice que el what's that? Flotando, okay. Que el Espíritu Santo estaba sobre las aguas y, y dice que eh, la tierra y las aguas estaban sin forma. Había caos. There was chaos, but the Spirit was hovering over it. And the thing is this, is that what, what the Holy Spirit does is that he always brings order to chaos. El Espíritu Santo siempre trae orden al caos. So if you have some chaos in your life, you need to get the Holy Spirit to come and hover over your, your life. You need the presence of God over your life. Si usted viene, uh, tiene algún caos en su vida, necesita buscar la presencia de Dios en su vida. You know what happens when we come to church, when we come into the presence of God, um, that, that, um, your life is, is maybe it's a little bit disorganized or some chaos. You have a whole bunch of thoughts. But as you get into the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, the master organizer, just comes and starts sorting things out. Say amen, somebody. And now when it's, when it's nice and neat in your mind, it's not so troubling anymore. Because he's bringing order into your life. Now here's the trick. Take the Spirit of God with you when you leave. Let him hover over your life in the morning and during the day and in the evening and let him keep bringing order into your life because life will throw all kinds of things at you and bring all kinds of disorder into your life. You've got to stay in the presence of the Lord because that hovering of the Spirit brings order. It brings, it brings a sense of peace into the chaos of our lives, es el Espíritu el que trae orden al caos y de ese caos creó el mundo así que usted y yo cuando estamos en caos en nuestra vida tenemos que buscar la presencia de Dios porque Él es el que ordena nuestra vida organiza nuestros pensamientos pone lo que no es de Él hacia afuera y deja ese, esa paz, esa tranquilidad que solo viene Somebody tell the Holy Spirit tonight, order my life. Hover over me. It's, it's more than just a, a ghost, you know, spooky Casper type thing. But it is, a, it is an attribute of the Spirit of God whereby he is bringing peace. When, when that eaglet is in the nest, it's way up there, and you can imagine the sounds that it hears. It hears the howling wind, and it hears the tree uh, swaying back and forth, and it hears perhaps in a storm that branches are cracking and breaking, and it can be terrifying for that eaglet because it doesn't know what's going on 
outside of the nest. And so that eagle comes and hovers over that, over that uh, nest. And while the storm is going on around it, there is peace in the nest because he's hovering over that nest. So it is with God that you might be hearing the noise of storms and trials and troubles and tribulations. But when the Spirit of God comes over your life, when the Spirit of God is dwelling over your life that he brings peace and that noise becomes a distant memory as you hear the, that, that cooing of the spirit that, that brings soothing to the soul. It brings soothing to the spirit of man. And so you, you and I tonight have a, a God who hovers over us, who comforts, who strengthens by his presence who encourages, who removes fear and isolates us from the things that worry and trouble our heart. And if we will rest in him, if we will rest in him, we can walk in that peace. We can walk in that peace of the Savior as he spoke to that storm in, in the Gospels when he said, peace, be still. And that's the nature of our walk with God. He never said you wouldn't have any storms. He never said there wouldn't be any chaos. What he did say was, I will be with you. I'm going to hover over you. And if you'll stay in the cloud, if you'll stay in the presence, you'll have that peace. All right, now we have the third thing here before I run out of time. He spreads his wings, and he caught them. Aquí vemos número tres, que él uh, eh, extendió sus alas. Now we hear, we see here that there is an attribute of God's way with, with us that he is covering, um, and that is the spreading of his wings. <coughs> Aquí vemos este atributo de la, de la forma que Dios trabaja con nosotros, que él está cubriendo nuestras vidas. Psalm 91, verse 1, it says that he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And it says that the Lord will hide him under his wings, that he will be covered and protected. And so you see there, there is the, the nature of God that he is not only trying to stir you into a new level, and not only to bring peace into your chaos, but he wants to teach you. He wants you to learn by observation. That's really what this phrase means when it says that he spread out his wings. It's not just referring to the covering of God, but it's learning to what happens when you notice what he's doing, when you see what he's doing. When that, when that eaglet sees the, the, the eagle spreading its wings, that eaglet says, oh, that looks fun. And it starts to learn by observation. And God is telling Israel here, watch me. Watch me. Now, how do I know this? Because several times in the scripture we see this. In, in Numbers chapter 4, verse 6, it uses the same word when it talks about the fact that when they would set up the tabernacle, the Lord said, spread out a tent over the Ark of the Covenant. 
spread out a tent, the same word. And then on the ark, he said, the cherub will spread their wings over the mercy seat. And God is showing Israel something. He's saying that holy things have to be covered. So what's he doing? He's teaching them to honor holy things. He's teaching them to honor uh, the, the, the things that belong to God. And, and that, that expression of God's covering goes far beyond just the, the action of the tabernacle. But we also see in Exodus chapter 9 that Moses spreads out his arms. And he, he calls back the plague that was over Egypt. And there again we see that now Moses is doing what he's seeing God do. That he is reflecting the very uh, work and nature of God. And that as he's, as he's learning from the Lord, so he's also doing that. And listen, this is what basically Moses is doing. He is he's watching how God uses the, his wings to protect his people. And Moses raises up his arms. He tells Pharaoh, I'm going to spread out my arms. And the hail and the plague is going to go away. He's doing what he sees God doing. Just like the eaglet does what she sees the eagle doing. And, and this is basically the point tonight. What do you see God doing? If you see God being generous, then be generous. If you see God being merciful, then be merciful. If you see God being loving, then be loving. All throughout the scriptures, we see the nature of God, the attributes of God. God is not just showing those, us those things so that we can know what he's like, but he's showing us what he's like so that we can be like him, so that we can walk by the grace that he has supplied in our life, so that you too can speak to the plagues and curses that are trying to come into your home. And you can say like, Moses, I'm going to raise up my hands and no plague will come into this dwelling and no evil thing will be able to come into my house. Come on, somebody. You've got you've to learn from watching God to do the things that he does. You see him forgive, you forgive. You see him be holy, you be holy. She spreads out her wings. The eagle is teaching by doing that. This is, this is what you are. This is what you can do. I have, I have um, uh, uh, this sense then that God is saying to us, this is what I have put within you. I have put within you the ability to love and to be a peacemaker and to share and to give. And I have put within you the ability to walk in holiness. And I have made you because you're my people. You bear my name. You are my child. You're not just any people. And because you're my people and because you have my name, you have my nature. And you can do the things that I do and you can walk in the ways that I walk. I'm going to end there tonight. There's one more. I just want to end there for a moment and just mention that fourth one is that he carries them on his wings. Now, the, the insight there is this, that, um, and, and this is actually, it, you know that there are urban legends in, in preaching sometimes. This is the source of an urban legend. Um, they, they've been, uh, we have heard probably, many of you have heard that an eagle will push its eaglets out of the nest and then catch them as they fall to teach them how to fly. 
But scientists tell us that this is not actually true. All right? So I don't, I won't do you any good by telling you something that isn't true. Say amen, somebody. All right? That's not going to help you. It's not going to help me. All right? And so what does this mean? It says that, that um, he carried them on his wings, or he caught them, and he carried them on his wings. Now, the idea there is, the, is that the eaglet has fallen, and the, the eagle comes, spreads her wings out, and catches the eaglet. But what, what scientists tell us is that by the time they start um, becoming fledgling, they start to learn how to fly, that an eaglet is too heavy to be carried by its mother. So Mama Eagle and Daddy Eagle can't carry that eaglet. Well, then what does this mean? Moses is telling Israel, God now is doing something that eagles can't do. You see, because if, if you and I fall, he can carry us. The eagle may not be able to carry the eaglet, but God can carry you. Say amen, somebody. In fact, he told the nation of Israel in the book of Isaiah, he said, your gods have to be, he's talking about their idols, their false gods, they have to be carried around on your shoulders. If they want to go to church, your God has to get a ride. He said, not so with me. You don't have to carry me around. He says, in fact, I have carried you. From the womb until your graying years, God said, I have carried you. And the nation of Israel and the people of God have this incredible truth, this incredible promise. God says, you can fly and you can do all that you have been created by God to do. And if you stumble and if you fall, your God is able to carry you and to bring you up again. Say amen, somebody. You don't have to stay down. You don't have to stay busted. You don't have to stay in, in ruin. You can come up again. Because your God is not limited by the, the strength of an eagle. The eagle was a good picture of God until this point. Now God is doing something for you that an eagle can't do for her, for her young. And that is that he can carry you. And tonight I want you to know this. God is carrying you. He's also stirring you. And he wants to hover over you. And he wants to teach you. He wants you to do what he does. To go and be light in dark places. To go and speak peace to troubled places. Tonight, God wants you to walk in his ways. To be a people that when people look at you and they look at me, they'll say, that person, that church, they walk with God. Would you stand with me, please? Why don't, why don't you just raise your hands to heaven? Just do what you see him do. Spread out your hands and just tell him, Lord, teach me. Carry me. 
hover over me. Take me to a new level. Stir up my life. Stir up my faith. Come on, if you have grown dissatisfied with where you are, I want you to get provoked and get incited to tonight to say, I've got to go further. I've got to go deeper. I can't stay where I'm at. I can't stay where I'm at. I've got to go more. There's got to be more. There has to be a deeper place, a higher level. Father, tonight we have this complete persuasion in our hearts that we are your children because we have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, your son. And tonight, Lord, we are assured of this thing, that because we are your people and because the nature of God is within us, because of the person of the Holy Spirit, that nothing shall be impossible to us if we believe. And tonight we want to walk into that faith. We want to walk into that possibility, knowing, God, that you do extraordinary things on behalf of your people. And tonight we want, we covet, we desire above all that you would come and hover over us, cover, hover over our lives. Come and bring that peace which only you can bring and come and bring that, that faith and that courage to rise up and to do great exploits for the kingdom of God. Lord, we want to fly higher than we have ever flown. We want to go to levels we have never gone. We want to know you deeper and more intimately than we have ever known you before. We want to reflect your presence in our life. We want to reflect your presence in our homes, in our jobs. We want the world to know that there is a God who lives within us, who is powerful and who is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we could ask or even imagine. Come on, just ha have him speak to your heart tonight. Invite him to come and take you tonight to a new level, to a deeper place. To say, Lord, I want to be taught by you.